I'm Marissa Donnelly, host of the Vulnerability Podcast, a podcast series focused on being vulnerable, being emotional, being deep, and talking about topics that people often shy away from. In this podcast series, you'll see stories of faith, hope, inspiration, darkness, frustration, and everything that really challenges us to speak to our human experience and to do so in shedding our skins and being vulnerable. Welcome back to the Vulnerability Podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Donnelly. Today, I have Laura Schmoisman with me. She is the host of the Coffee Number no. 5 Podcast, the CEO of The Darl, a marketing agency that services clients from all around the globe. And as it says on her Instagram, which I totally love, she's a business strategist, entrepreneur, and multitasker, authentically, relentlessly, and unapologetically myself with a sexy accent. Welcome, Laura. Hi. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, just a couple weeks ago, I was talking with you on your podcast, and I just felt like our conversation lended itself so much to the theme of my podcast, Vulnerability. And I just wanted to dive in deeper with you, especially being a female entrepreneur, a creative, a, a business person, a parent, a, just all of the things. What does vulnerability mean to you, especially in all these different facets of your life? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I believe it's kind of be empathetic and how you relate to others and to be able to sh show feelings and emotions and to share those with others. And I think I try to do that and how we connect with people in every space in my life, like from being a wife, to a mother, to a, a leader, um, other people can call it boss, um, but I mean, that also work with clients and it's important to be available and to connect with them emotionally. Absolutely. That's one of the things that really drives my business as well. I just felt like so often with business and you know, in my niche with writing, it's it gets to be very impersonal. And I've always found that to be so ironic because writing is one of the most personal things. How we communicate with one another is the most personal thing. And sometimes in the writing and editing industry, it's like, you know, thanks for sharing that piece, but I'm not going to connect with you. Or here's your feedback on that article you wrote and that's it. See you later. And I just felt like that's always so disconnected. Has that, have you seen that in, you know, your experience, business or personal? Oh, I mean, I've been, I've been working in networks and in agencies, and over the years, I realized that I didn't want that anymore, and that's why I ended up growing and founding my own agency, and when I say growing, it's because I believe that you need to grow it, you need to let it bloom, a business, and the principle of my, or the mission statement of my company is my own core beliefs which is connection and is doing things with intention too the way i connect with my clients i'm very hand holding with them and when i one of the things that i was seeing in other agencies was like we were connecting with executives that they, they didn't know the whys or the core beliefs of the brand. And all those were getting diluted in so many people and it became so impersonal. 
Yeah. And it's supposed to be one of the most connecting things, especially in a business. How do you run a business without connection? Yeah. And also with your team, Mm -hmm. with is again you need to lead or anything you do we need to be with intention with a plan like i always say that i at the door we have a very strong work culture uh we connect a lot even though my my whole company we're over 35 people right now and everyone is remote all over the world even before covid and i design a work culture in order to work and to connect people. We have a lot of activities that we do. And I can assure you that I love, I, I connect with each one of the members of my team as I was in the same office. And again, it's all about to be vulnerable and to know if something happened to them and not only know their name, but know their spouse's name or their kid's names or know that something happened to them or just the fact that tell them that you know that they weren't feeling well and say, hey, how are you feeling? Those little things make the connection tighter. Absolutely. I'm thinking as you're talking, just how many places and how many businesses have I worked for in the past where I felt like people didn't even know who I was or didn't know who my significant other was or you know what is going on in my life like there's such a big disconnect and oftentimes with larger corporations it's the worst because you feel like you're just a number in the crowd yeah and even if it's a large corporation it shouldn't be like that again I there is a huge difference between being a boss and being a leader And part of the leadership is to know the culture of your group, who they are and what they are about. If you don't know that, how can you lead them? If you don't know the strength and the weaknesses of each person, how can you help them to improve what they need? Part of the job of a leader is to be a mentor. Yeah, absolutely. And I I love what you said about boss versus leader because, you know, I think the word boss is such a catchphrase now, especially with like boss, babe, mom, boss, all these terms that I think the intent is lovely, but I'm not sure if the message is always received, but talk us through that. What, in your opinion, is the difference between boss and leader? Um, First of all, I really don't like the the word boss. Um, I prefer to be a leader. I am proud of being a leader. A boss is basically someone who barks orders and pay checks and pay money for services. And a leader is someone who is there emotionally for their tribe. Mm-hmm. Is someone who is leading them with intention, that is communicating and be able to read there the leader can read between the lines and understand because they get to know each one in their tribe to see where they are struggling or recognize are you okay you're having a day off you don't sound as always that's for me the definition of leadership and being able to teach and and to lead your tribe into a better place and emotionally in a better place because a, a leader is never reprimanding with, without educating from 
any mistake we can learn. That's a, at least my philosophy. And I make it as a, as a company-wide or a group-wide lesson from mistakes we, we grow. And even the words themselves, like lead versus boss, like you're right, boss has the connotation of, you know, I'm going to tell you what to do. Whereas lead is more about where are we going and can I direct us there? It's, it has like the growth built into it. You're not just telling somebody what to do from a higher up place. You're leading others to follow and or to walk with you. And I think that's really powerful. Well, in my company, we grew quite a lot last year and we had to be doing a lot of hiring. And there are so many people who came to the interviews with the wrong attitude about, I'm ready to be a boss. I'm ready to manage people. And I'm even the, the owner of a company and I'm not the boss of anyone. I don't manage anyone. We collaborate. Uh, each one in the team has a role and each role is important and each role has a point of view. They see the problem or the task from their point of view, from their knowledge. So I believe that is really valuable, um, every point of view. That's so powerful, especially from a leadership perspective, because you would think like, oh, I'm a leader of something. I'm going to you know, be the one that's directing. But to hear you say that it's all a collaboration, I think that really is what sets your business apart, that it's really people working together and sharing ideas. And that really, that is the core of what business and work should be, right? Is a bouncing of ideas back and forth, relationship building, you know, growing forward as a group, as opposed to individuals on separate paths. It's like I would say, if I win, I mean, there's no I, but if the company wins, we all win because we're all going to grow and be a better business and make more money is it's a growth for everyone and that makes each person in the team to want to go for the same goals and that's what it makes the tribe the beliefs and we all believe in the same thing absolutely and for example we have a lot of um i in my team i have I think five or six areas, I don't know how many, and each one has a leader at the same time, but it's not a leader, it's a coordinator. Just make sure that all the information is spread the same way and everyone needs to get information that they need to work with because there seems to be a, a phenomenon in the last few years also that people have this that we call FOMO, fear of missing out, because they believe that information is power. And information is not power. The only thing you can do with information is if you know what to do with it. Otherwise, it's just information. And there are so many people in, in work cultures that they feel like they need to know more and more know and, and know what everyone is doing in order to get ahead instead of really using the information they need to do their task right. Yeah, I think, I mean, you're really nailing it on the head with people wanting, I, what I've seen is it's people just wanting to absorb and absorb and absorb. We're scrolling through social media, we're reading article after article, we're taking in all of this 
information because we think somehow that information, like you said, is it gives us um, value or get you know gives us an advantage over somebody else or something else. But realistically, like what I've especially noticed, I mean, just in the last you know six months with COVID, is people are absorbing all this information, a lot of it out of fear, and not really taking the time to say, well, what do I think? What do I feel? What can I contribute? Is this real? Is this fake news? Is this Am I sharing something without the intent of, you know, thinking about how it makes others feel? So it's become like a very absorbing kind of culture when I think you're absolutely right. It's not about knowing more. It's about how can we work together? It's about relationships, really. Yeah. And we're losing the depth in the relationship and in the knowledge. Now we have all this information available online that you can go on, on YouTube and say, I want to learn how to use social media. But it's not in depth. Not, nobody explained to you where it came from, what was the beginning, and why we do it. Like in marketing, everything we do, we need to have a conversion. We need to have a goal. And I found that there are a lot of people that are not thinking about the goal. So it's one of the things that I always work with the team is in knowing Okay, every action has a reaction. So what's the reaction we want? Every piece, every document, everything that we write needs to have um, an action and a reaction. Yeah, it also makes me think about when you have a business or when you're writing content or, you know, whether it's for marketing purposes or just, you know, you're putting something on social media to entertain. You have to think about what is not only like what is the action and reaction, but the connection that you can build. Because if it's something that is vulnerable, if it's something that's open, is it, if it's something that's introspective, then you're pulling in that audience to have that connection with you, you know, whether it's you or your business. And then that is where, what they're investing in. And that builds that relationship that then grows, that then transfers into purchasing services and being a part of the community. So it really, it goes back to, you know, not we're not just sharing information but sharing it with purpose yeah and i mean today i was doing a facebook live in my group about storytelling and how it's so important to understand that storytelling whatever story it is they always have the same parts which is a beginning a crisis or and a resolution and these are parts that there are certain things that you cannot change and they're always going to be the same and the same, but they need to be there. If not, you're missing a part of the story. But there is something that I learned once a long, long time ago and from one of my teachers in college, which she was a pioneer in the soap operas, that she taught me that even in a crisis and something that is going to the crisis in some moment in the story changes to the resolution. The resolution doesn't, doesn't start until the, someone drops a penny. And that conclusion, the feeling of that person understanding that something needs to change is what gets the conclusion. So in everything we know, there needs to be the intent and also to know what we're trying to tell and to know that each part of the story is valid. Yeah, that's beautiful. Each part of the story is valid. 
you know, we think when we're in the lowest points of our story that it's not as valuable as the highest points. I mean, that's been the whole narrative of COVID, right? That uh, when we're all going through these difficult things, you know, there's nothing to share. There's nothing of value. Everything sucks. And I've seen so many posts of everything sucks, but I think, you know, celebrating even in the difficult moments, not waiting for things to go quote back to normal, but figuring out how to survive in the moment and share beautiful things to encourage others to build those connections. Or just even you can pivot your own story. Mm-hmm. It depends how you see it and from the point of view. That again, we're going back to the point of view. Someone can see the same story from a different point of view. Someone can say, I'm sick on COVID and it's a terrible story, but also the, you can pivot and say, I'm getting over it. It depends how you see the story. It depends on the point of view. I mean, you know this as good as I do, and probably you shared this experience with many of your audience already. But it's everyone can choose how to tell their story. And the value of the storytelling. I mean, it's not just for personal branding. I think for business, you know, behind every aspect of your business, like telling that story, telling it with authenticity. I love what you have in your Instagram bio with, you know, just being unapologetically, authentically you. Can you share a little of, you know, the journey you went on to starting your business, to starting the Darl and where that kind of drive to be so unapologetically you comes from? Because I think so many people struggle with that, not only business-wise, but personal-wise. You know, how do I be myself? What does that even look like? Um. I think you just need to come to terms who you really are and not who you want to be. It's, this is what I have and this is what I need to work with and not try to be someone or something that you are not. And I think that's the key. And I, I struggle with that a lot I, from coming from Argentina, being an, um, over, very overweight in my teenager years, I struggled that a lot. And then I moved here and as an immigrant, not knowing the language, learning the language, being Latina, Jew, um, at some point overweight too. And you have to struggle with those things, but also, you know what? You can choose to say, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. And I think when you come to terms with that, things starting to happen and you free that part of your mind and you can make other decisions. So the moment I was like, I'm done, I was like able to open the agency. I, I put myself out there and I don't need to hide my accent. My accent is never going to go away. And you know what? I'm okay with it and make peace with it. And it's there to stay the same way. <laughs> My personality. I'm. I come. I'm a Jewish Latina woman living in LA. Um, I have two teenager sons, and I'm not gonna apologize for who I am. And you know what? Sometimes the this country for me is a little too PC. We're just too concerned of what the other is gonna think about ourselves, about us, or if we say the wrong thing. And what they're going to think about that. And you know what? I, I'm raising my kids and as independent thinkers, I want them to think beyond having a job in, in a cubicle 
And I mean, if that's what they get and that's what they're happy with, I'm happy for them. But I want them to grow with the idea that they can be whatever they want to be and make opportunities for themselves. Not think that the best they can be is working in a cubicle without the window. And I want to encourage everyone to be like that. But at the same time, you can never be that if you're not have your own ideas. And you know, as long as you're respecting everyone and you know how to communicate them, uh, I feel like you should be able to say them. Absolutely. It's so crazy, though, the getting over the fear of what other people think. I just had this conversation with my boyfriend like a week ago. He was like, you know, you really need to work on caring about what others think of you. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a work in progress, but I've been saying that for like the last decade. <laughs> I think it's, it's also how they train us to think. My, one of my sons, I think two years ago, he was one of his first years of high school. He had a confrontation with a teacher. I mean, it was one-sided confrontation that the teacher tried to tell the kids that there were uh, the students that that was a, a free space that he wanted to be for the students to be able to say what they think to to express themselves but they cannot talk about politics they cannot talk about sex they cannot talk about um uh, certain things because the district doesn't allow it and my son who is was raised by me lifted his hand and said said um, isn't that hypocritical? And you know what happened? What would, you, what would you have done if you were a teacher? How would you answer that? Well, I don't, know, I, I don't know if I would put my students in a situation where I'm telling them what they can and can't talk about. I, well, but you know, this, what do you think that happened? <laughs> I feel like that teacher was probably like, okay, well, you know, you're going to be in opposition of me. So I'm just going to shut you down right from here. Cause that's how, how yeah. it goes. That's how my son ended up in the principal office and the principal <laughs> was, um, or the dean was hoping that I agree with them, mm. which I, I didn't. I saw, I, I told them that I believe that what the, the teacher said was hypocritical. The teacher could have chose say, you know what? You're right. Maybe it is hypocritical, but I don't make the rules. Yeah. And I mean, it's, that is, you know, education is such a funny thing too, because there's certain things and certain rules and certain expectations that people feel like they have to uphold. But I mean, admitting to the fact that it is hypocritical is the truth. We, you know, we are supposed to have the freedom of speech and we're supposed to follow our dreams and go with what's on our heart and speak our minds. But then you're right. The whole, the whole thing with society and education and so many other facets of the things we go through is that, you know, you're supposed to be these things, but then along your journey, everything is going to shut you down and everything's going to say, follow the status quo, be the normal. But there's so much more to the story to see here. I mean, the kid was making a connection. The kid was understanding what was happening. And instead of being praised, for understanding what's going on and being have his own thoughts or asking questions, he was punished. So for me, that's a big no-no. To don't, I mean, this was a double. They were talking 
from both sides of the, their mouth, of course, but it's, it's kind of unfair to tell someone you can do something and then, but you cannot do it at the same time. And then say, I didn't see it, say it basically. But that's a story and I think it happened to a, a lot of people, a lot of kids and it happens to adults and it happened in the work scene as well. That people are afraid to give ideas because they're concerned about the consequences. Mm-hmm. Not only what what is somebody going to think of me, but well, what if I do the wrong thing? What if I lose my job? What if, you know, what if, what if? Um, yeah. And it's it is hypocritical. I mean, your son is correct that we are raised to be independent thinkers, or that's like the premise of what the ideal, um, and especially the quote American dream, right? People are supposed to be, you know, pursuing your dreams and doing all these things and following your heart or whatever it is that you know that you resonate with, but then society is kind of always saying, well, no, you know, like, let's, let's, you know, follow the status quo. Let's, you know, and that's, there's so many like stereotypes and things that contradict what the quote ideal is supposed to be. So yeah, I think teaching your children and, you know, just embodying that perspective for yourself of, no, I'm going to be unapologetically me and I'm going to say what I feel is so important and so valuable. Um, And in business too, like we think, you know, not in business, that doesn't apply, but it does. It absolutely does. Because if you don't have those unique ideas and perspectives and you're not willing to stick with them, then how can people connect with you and really know what sets you apart? Yeah, well, and in my case also, um, because of my clients, uh, something that I need to them to understand many times is that what they need is to be trendsetters, not trends followers. And that's my job in marketing to convert that and to understand who are the buying personas to set new trends and to create new things for them, not to try to do exactly what their competition does. And that's why so many businesses fail because they are not independent thinkers and they are just doing what else, what it worked for someone else. Yeah. And you see that those trends on social media, you see similar graphics, similar colors, similar fonts. And, you know, it's, it's great. I mean, we all fall victim to it. I do myself. It's like, oh, I saw that and it's really cool. And, you know, I want to embody that. But yeah, I'm really resonating with that because as a writing coach, like I'm always trying to teach my clients, hey, we need to find your voice. Like, yes, you can pull inspiration from other places. And yes, you can love somebody's work and want to emulate certain techniques, but you have to find your voice. And we have to lean into what that looks like and sounds like and feels like and what you want to talk about and what your passions are and how you're going to present yourself online or, you know, wherever you are to be that authentic person because life is full of people who are doing the same thing. We have to find ways to stand out and create meaning. Yeah. Uh, it's so important and it's so great that you can give all those emotions through writing because it's so hard. And I mean, when you write an email, it's so hard to write. Even now that we have the emojis, it's so hard to transfer the emotion. That's why it's so important to know how to write, how to use uh, not only the right grammar, also to use the right punctuation. So it gives the right emotion. Yes. And I also think it goes back to, you know, your willingness to be vulnerable. So, I mean, to go full circle here, 
you know, that's what I've, at least what I've learned on my journey is the vulnerability is the core of what it really means to put yourself out there, to start a business, to have connections with people, to communicate on a basic level. You know, if you're not willing to be vulnerable in your personal relationships or with your clients or whatever it is, how do you expect to grow? And I mean, even as something as simple as writing an email, like, yeah, maybe you're not going to be vulnerable in an email, but are you willing to do what you did today and get on a Facebook live in your group and, and speak openly about something? Are you willing to get on a podcast and talk about difficult topics? Are you willing to share the ups and downs of your journey and how you started your business and who you are as an individual and obstacles that you've gone through? I mean, all of that is what brings people in and shows them not only that they're not alone, but why they should invest in you because you get it. Yeah. I mean, you need to be able to put and there to put yourself out there. If you don't put yourself out there, I mean, there is nothing is going to happen. Yeah. So simple, but so true. <laughs> it's, it's like, if you want to win the lottery, you need to play the lottery. Mm -hmm. That's simple. But people are afraid, whether it's the lottery or starting a business or, you know, it, we're afraid to do it. So we don't. And then we want the results, but we didn't actually do them. So how do we expect to get them? Well, it's the same as working hard. You want results. You need to work hard. Things don't happen without work. And that's another story for another day. But there is a, a whole new trend that just because of time, you earn things. And in my book, you just earn it through effort. Mm. That's, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like I see that trend as well, where people are like, well, if I book all of my free time and I do all of these things in my time, look at me, I'm doing so much more. You stay in a, in a job for six months doesn't mean that you, um, or a year, that you're going to reserve deserve a raise or a bonus and it's like did you do something extraordinary to research to deserve that no it's nobody's entitled to anything without working for it the world doesn't work like that yeah do you have any advice that you would give to people who are thinking about maybe starting a business or really just need kind of that kick in the butt to get moving because i feel like what as I've browsed your social media channels and checked out your company and had the privilege of talking to you on your podcast, I just love the way you cut through the noise really and just get to the core of it, like working hard, being yourself, stepping up, investing, putting in the work, you know, all of those things. And I would just love to hear any advice you would give to somebody who just feels really stuck right now. Um, well, you, I have a group in Spanish or another in English in Facebook. If you want to join it, I'm always there. <laughs> and, um, you know what? Unstuck yourself. You can do it. It's, it's up to you. It's just your choice to let go and say, this is who I am and I can go for it. If there is something that you've been in your mind long enough, it's because is there to stay and you want to do it. So you should act on it and nobody will do it for you. 